0: Talk Radio. Welcome to the MSP Show, your internet radio destination for the business information your managed IT services company needs to streamline operations, generate new revenue streams, and get more customers. And now your host, Stuart Crawford.
2: Well, good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford here, broadcasting live from beautiful. Downtown Hamilton, Ontario. where it's a balmy 30 degrees today. I guess we're warmer than Atlanta, from what I uh, understand. And Jim, uh, Jim Thomas is joining us from Sunset Beach. I don't know what the temperature's like down there today, Jim, but definitely got to be warmer than 30 degrees. Well, it's about 50 uh, Fahrenheit here. But so a little, a little warmer. Anyway, the MFP show here, broadcasting live on uh, Blog Talk Radio every uh, every week. And we're bringing relative, relevant business information to managed service providers who are looking at uh, ways to grow their business and uh, you know run a successful managed IT services company. And uh, today's topic is uh, one of my most favorite uh, talk, topics we uh, we discuss every month at our MSP workshops around the country is you know m- mastering negotiations or you know how not to sell the farm during the during the sales process. And I brought. Uh, on the show today, one of the uh, the top negotiation experts or coaches or gurus in the industry, uh, Jim Thomas, joins us today from Sunset Beach, North Carolina. Good morning, Jim, and how are uh, how are things with you today? Very fine, thanks, Stuart. Great. So, Jim, give us a a quick overview of your CV. You know, why do people call you the negotiation expert?
1: Well, um, I'm a lawyer. We should get that out of the way early. Um, And many years ago, I I was uh, helping clients and, you know, just typical, uh, you know, legal contract stuff. And um, some of my clients noticed that uh, my negotiating skills were effective for them. And they asked me to do a kind of a a briefing on negotiating skills. And things kind of grew from there. Um, Seven years ago, I wrote a book called Negotiate to Win that has done exceedingly well, better than anybody could have possibly even imagined. It's now in 18 languages. It just came out in Chinese. Uh, so that is that's kind of solidified my position, I guess,
2: as a as a negotiating guru, if you will. And i you know I've read the book uh, uh, from start to finish, and I got to say it's one of those must-have books if you are in the sales world or anything about because we often Jim we often think about negotiations as being something we do with a prospect as well. But one of the things that managed IT companies fail to realize is. They should also be negotiating with their vendors too for better pricing, or even that you know one thing you mentioned in your book is that one percent break on uh, on say from a distribution company could actually mean a lot of extra money to the bottom line. Oh, it makes a huge difference,
1: and especially these days because you know margins are really small. Typically, I think we're looking at an average net after tax margin, at least in in the the states, of around five percent, and. If you can get your negotiating team, either on the selling side or the buying side, to negotiate one small percent better, that 1% drops right to the bottom line, and immediately you have a 20% improvement in net after-tax performance. So it doesn't take much to really have this huge impact on the bottom line. The negotiating is a bottom line seller, I and you have to look at it that way. It's, you know, rarely will you see the impact of better negotiating at the top line. Uh, but when you take out all the all the expense hits in a in a P and L statement, uh, what's what's left at the bottom is hugely impacted by even a small improvement in negotiating.
2: So, Jim, these guys that would normally listen to this program, they are, you know, the technical expert. They, they you know, they maybe had a job somewhere and victim of circumstances got laid off or, you know, one day we'll come and say, you know what, I can do this uh, IT thing for myself and make a Heck of a lot of money. Rarely do they come from a marketing or sales background. I know we talked off the air about the importance of marketing. But, you know, these these folks that are, you know, generally listening to this program are the technical guru. And, you know, so they'll openly admit to me when I talk to them, and say, you know what, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a marketing person. That's why I hire a guy like you, uh, E-Listik, to do this for us. What can you recommend to that technical, you know, that smart technical person who often when it comes to these type of tough negotiation situations or even just a negotiation with their spouse, uh, often uh, often struggle through the process? Well, they,
1: they, they do struggle, and perhaps even more than they realize. Um, technical experts, especially you know, IT people, are, are, if you will, I, I hesitate to say this, but it's true, are really twice cursed. Um, first of all, most of your clients are either North Americans or Western Europeans which means that they are among the worst negotiators on the planet Earth to begin with because it's just not part of the culture, and then add to that the fact that, they're, that they're, they're, they are have a technical orientation, a scientific orientation, which means that they tend to be very linear in their thinking and they tend to be very logical. And um, sadly, logic and negotiating are, are, are pretty much strangers to each other.
2: So you know, it's, so let's it's talk. You know, let's let's expand on that a bit, Jim. Sorry, I didn't cut you off. Jim. But let's have, let's expand on that. because in your book you mentioned that some cultures are better negotiators than others. You know, I'm heading right. off to Mexico next week, and I know in Mexico you never pay what they what they're asking for. You know, why why yeah. is it that North American culture is you know a fake cursed, as you say, when it comes to negotiating? Why is our culture like that?
1: Well, you know, there there are probably five hundred theories that seek to explain. How it is that the, these cultures just, just they, they, don't, they don't only show negotiating, it's looked down upon as basically a sign of bad breeding. So it's, you know, and the theories range everywhere from population density to pure and ethic, you know, everything in between. I, I think personally that there's a certain amount of sort of cultural distancing that the people who left the old country tried to mimic what they saw as the ways of the, the new world, and in so doing they jettisoned some things that uh, perhaps were constructive, and one of those things was negotiated. It was basically re- regarded as, as sort of kind of day-class sort of, you know, not done. Um, and unfortunately, we've, we've really lost that skill. Now, the good news is that when you learn how to do it, and it's not hard, I mean, and much as I don't want to undercut what I do, it's really not particularly difficult. Uh, and and when, when you learn how to do it, you're going to be up against North Americans, which means the bar is not really high. So you're going to look very good by comparison, yeah we and
2: we have listeners uh you know all the way from the u k to you know right. australian i mean I no, no, and I think those culture and that's you know i think i like it in your book you say the, the u s culture definitely you know negotiation weak you know um Canadians are slightly better I <laughs> so we're just slightly better in Canada, but you know what about right. other cultures like in the u k or australia are they more aligned to what we are in north america very much so um Australians have, the, have the, kind of the commonwealth problem of being very nice
1: and expecting a if, if I'm generous with my customers and my vendors, of course, they will be generous uh, in response to me. And, you know, that might have been true 75 years ago or 50 years ago, and it's still true with family, people, and friends, but in a commercial context, it's just those days are over. Now, if you're going to get any, any, any kind of advantage through negotiating, you're going to have to do it yourself. You cannot in any way count on the other side to give you what you deserve. In fact, one of the books that, uh, that was really very popular up until the time that Negotiate to Win, my book came out, was something called Getting to Yes. And there, there was a lengthy chapter, is a lengthy chapter in Getting to Yes, about this so-called norm of reciprocity. Basically, if, if I'm cooperative and, and generous, the other side will feel obligated and respond in the same way. Uh, and it's, it's, these days, it's completely antiquated. It doesn't work that way anymore.
2: Okay, so you know, Jim, we have about uh, five minutes before we have to take a break here. So let's get into the nitty gritty of our talk. Our talk today is okay. So I'm the IT professional. I'm, you know, maybe marginally profitable or operating just slowly bef- below the, the the profitability line, and, you know, I'm up against bids and I'm and I'm losing. You know, I'm losing more opportunities than I'm winning. And you often my sales process is pretty fine-tuned. They're, they're using you know the holistic 17-step sales process. They do everything properly there. But when it comes down to you know getting in the trenches and discussing the details, uh, they more than likely you know sometimes they win, some, and more times they lose. What can the average IT sales or IT company do today to help them get to that yes? What what are some of your recommendations? Well,
1: you know, I think the key, one of the keys is, and, and you, you point this out uh, in your, your, you know, your, your, your products and your, your services, is the importance of showing some degree of uniqueness. Um, if you're just like everybody else, well, first of all, it's in the client's interest to try to paint you and make you believe that you are simply a commodity and that all, all the MSPs are the same, and I can simply pick and choose, and it doesn't make any difference. At the end of the day, you're all the same. And, and if they can ever succeed in having you believe that truly, then at that point, your ability to negotiate is is completely gone. Um, you you'll be helpless from a bargaining standpoint. So you, you need to really believe in your heart that you are unique and you are better, and that your rates need to reflect that. So it's it, it's almost a matter of kind of you know, kind of pumping yourself up just psychologically to believe that you are not simply a commodity. Um, and then and next there's there's a big area of of sort of if you will price indifference where customers are not that terribly sensitive to minor changes in price. So if you're on the low side of that area of indifference, you're simply wasting money. You, because dropping your price will not get you any, any additional business, so, uh, and, and, and obviously raising your price will make you uncompetitive, but there's, there's this area of, of, of customer price indifference, and I think we tend to be on the low side of that. In my experience, over the years, people tend to underprice themselves terribly.
2: So I want to kind of come back to that uniqueness that you mentioned, Jim, because I think that's important. Is then I think not, you know. And you're, I would say that you have knowledge of our industry. You don't work in it every day like we do, of course, but you nailed it, you know, right on the head. Is that this industry is not unique. You'll take twenty or thirty IT company websites today, and you'll see that they all say the same thing. So, what you know, in that uniqueness, and you being the uh, a consumer of IT services, perhaps. What would you look for from an IT company to, uh, you know, to show that they are unique? Well, I look for somebody who understands, who takes the time to learn my
1: business and understands what makes me special and, and is committed to making something that, that, from the customer's perspective, looks different. Um, you know, if, if you're just simply rehashing the same old stuff, then there's no reason why you're entitled to any incremental kind of pricing. You should get the same price that everybody else gets. Um, you know it's, it's, you know, it's easy to talk about, you know, adding value and, and you know, having, you know, this, this additional uh, price increment that you're entitled to. But in, in reality, you know, let's face it, it, is, it, these days it's fairly hard to do. But the, the point is the customer will always try to put you in a box. You are simply like everybody else. And if, if you allow them to do it, then at that point you're, you're, you're compromised as a negotiator.
2: Okay, so let's let's expand from there. So now we we did, we you know we figured out that we're unique, and one of the ways that we talk about consistently in our you know through our our own sales process is show the client proof that you are unique, and show them that you can take care of issues similar to what they're having. So, I mean, I'm always, you know, we're always harping on the importance of, you know, case studies, testimonials, not testimonials to a certain degree, but more client, telling the client story. And I know you know this firsthand because you're a better half that does that kind of work for us. So you know that she's always working on that kind of stuff. But it's true, Jim, you, and I look for, you know, see if you agree or disagree that if you, were, if you were looking at buying IT services, you'd want to see from an IT company that, hey, you know what, they have experience working in a business like mine. Right. Well, actually, one of the things I look for is not somebody who is priced low. Um,
1: something as important as, as my IT services, I don't necessarily want the bargain brand. So, and I think many customers, obviously anybody who values their business doesn't want to put something that critical in the hands of the bargain price vendor. So right off the bat, I think this cutting prices to be the lowest price may in fact be harmful to, to successful marketing rather than helpful. Uh, you know, a, a few percentage points above the market may be the sweet spot in terms of selling more
2: business. Mm-hmm. Very true. So let's let's, do, let's let's pause there for a second, Jim. I'll take we'll we'll run a quick commercial here, and then when I come back and we come back, I want to talk about or what do you do when you're faced with that competitive pressure. So we'll be right back, folks, in, the, in about in 60 seconds after this commercial break.
0: Does your MSP website struggle to stand out from the crowd and get your company's unique message across to potential customers? Businesses have many options when choosing their IT services provider. And if you want them to choose you, it's important you make a good first impression. And that first impression will most likely come from your website. So it's essential that it stands out. Ulistix MSP website service can provide you with exactly the website you need. For $2.97 a month, Your managed IT services business will get a professionally designed, fully search-optimized MSP marketing website. Custom content laser-focused on your core offerings and target markets. Branded videos focused on your solutions. Content delivered each day centered on what matters most to your customers. Daily reports detailing who is visiting your site and what they are viewing. A monthly MSP newsletter. Call analytics. And so much more. Don't delay any further. Potential customers are searching for an MSP right now and Ulistics MSP website service can help them find you. For more information, visit bestmspwebsites.com.
2: Okay, we're back here on the MSP show here on Blog Talk Radio. We're talking to Jim Thomas, the uh, author of, uh, where's my link? <laughs> here, negotiate dot wincom If you go to Negotiate right. to Win book, which is, uh, you can get it at negotiate dot wincom and I have actually a link on the, on our Facebook page as well at the, uh, Facebook.com/ulistic if you want to click on it there and, and grab it from there. So Jim, before the break, we talked about price and you know, and we and we talked offline about this as well. As, um a lot of people, when faced with competitive pressure, the first thing they do is say, "I'm gonna, I'll cut my price and let me see, um, you know, let me right. see if I can win this business." I think that is the wrong thing to do because now you do it once. Guess what? They're going to want over and over and over again. But I'm interested to hear your comments on that because uh, we did talk about, you know, uh, before, before the show went live today, about the importance of not doing that. Well, I think negotiating your
1: – well, also, let's make sure that we get back to, to negotiating on, on, uh, yeah. on services that you're buying because that, you know, that's just as valuable as negotiating um, on, the, on the sales side. Uh, from my perspective, negotiating your rates lets the client know that you need their business. It means that you're insecure – about losing business, uh, that you don't have enough stuff to do, and you're not confident in your ability to originate new business. So you know, my attitude is rather than cutting your rate, get better at marketing, which means you know, go, go to you know, buy, buy more services from you. Uh, the better the flow of clients into your office, the less negotiable you will become and the more money you're going to make. Um, as a general rule, I'm, I'm a big believer in raising prices on a fairly regular basis. If you have about the right amount of work, then you know, raise them maybe 5% per year. Uh, if you don't have enough work, then they need to get better at marketing. Uh, but cutting your, your rates is, is, I think, the most damaging thing you can do. Because, you know, price concessions are just as easy to make as any other kind of concession. But the problem is they have this long, you know, very, very long um, half-life. They, you know, once the price is in the gutter, it tends to stay in the gutter for a long time. Because your ability on an annual basis to raise those rates is extremely limited. Uh, so you know, just remember those 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 price concessions are horrifically costly. You know, maybe better if you're going to be making concessions, maybe better to make them in the area of deliverables, or or you know warranties, you know, some other area that is that doesn't have this tremendously long lifetime. Um, and also remember, the client believes that they get what they pay for. So if you are the lowest price provider. Um, that's that's you know, first of all, those are probably aren't the clients that you want to have, and in addition, they they don't have that much confidence in your service.
2: Correct me if my thinking is off a little bit here, because I always look for you for advice too. Is that if somebody wants a price break, I always tell them, you know, what would you like for me to remove from my solution in order to get to that price exactly. that you can afford? Is yeah, that the right cut thinking? Cut deliverables. Don't. Oh yeah, cut deliverables. Don't cut price. Absolutely. Sure, We, exactly. yeah, we, we
1: so, can arrive at that. We can arrive at that total price. Yeah, tell me which deliverables
2: you want to leave out. And because if you do that, your seventeen-step sales that's... process properly, Jim, you'll know that uh, you know before we even get to the giving price. I always get the client or the prospect to buy in and say, "Is this exactly what you're looking for?" And the only thing left to do is price. So you can fall back and say, "Well, when we talked about the deliverables, you said you needed all this stuff, and this is all the stuff you needed." But there's other ways, Jim, and we know that there's other ways to reach uh, you know a price concession. Uh, without actually lowering your price, there's leasing and there's other type of uh, services that we can throw in there. Uh, in in the la- in the last third of the show here, Jim, I want to kind of talk talk about uh, some you know, and I want people to go to negotiate to win dot com to buy your book because I think it's necessary that they have this book in their arsenal here, and, I, and it's done me wonders in in my own career as well. Jim, talk about you know some of the basic tips to negotiation for that IT company or that IT sales professional who may be thinking, you know what, I'm kind of lousy at this negotiation thing and allow my prospect to beat me up a little bit. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. For, first of all, remember that cutting price sends this message of insecurity, and that's not what customers are buying. You know, they don't want a vendor who doesn't have enough confidence to keep their prices intact. So and all, and another problem is if you cut your price and the customer says, give me a better rate, and you go, okay, how about this? What that means to the customer is that your previous offer, you know, before you cut your price, was nothing more than a bluff. And that also sends the, 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 totally the wrong message. So, yeah, cut, cut deliverables, cut services, but don't cut rate. Right. Um, and, and also remember that, that a dollar made via savings um, in terms of something that you bought from a vendor uh, or your landlord, you know, whatever you're buying, is just as valuable, in fact more valuable than a, than a, a, a dollar saved or a dollar gained through additional revenue. Um, And we tend to forget the the buying side of things, but it's incredibly important. Um, So don't forget that element. Anyway, back to the the actual principles. There are just a handful of things that actually make a huge difference. Um, Some of them are a little bit hard to explain in just a couple of sentences, but let me me give it my best shot. Okay, rule number one, and there will be a total of only six, so don't think this is going to go on forever. Rule number one is get in the habit of trading. Okay, I can give you that concession, but in exchange for that, I would need this from you. Or, okay, I, you know, we can change the overall price, but however, in that event, I wouldn't be able to do these additional tasks that we talked about doing earlier. So everything has a trade-off, a so-called quid pro quo. So no, no freebies, no concessions without trade-offs. Uh, secondly is what's called start high, which basically means... In your initial offer should be as assertive as you can realistically make it. I mean, don't be ridiculous with your first offer, but as it turns out, the initial offer, the initial proposal, has this tremendous impact on the other side's thinking. Uh, even though the, the actual final agreement probably will be different from what your first offer was, it really does, it affects the, the entire encounter uh, you know what comes out of your mouth in that first offer. So be as assertive as you realistically can. Don't we? Because we're and by the way, this is very true of your 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 clients. Is we tend to be very logical. Okay, work all this out, and here's what makes sense. Um, so essentially, what you've done is you pre-negotiated the whole thing in your head, and then given it to the customer or, or to the vendor in a, in a way that seems to make sense. Stop doing that. You yep. know be assertive in your initial offer, and then as the, as the discussions progress, you then drop back to a lesser position. But as you drop back, you're getting trade-offs for each concession you make. Um, the third one is, is really the most challenging, and that is whatever, every issue that's going to be negotiated should have a predetermined opening position, target position, and bottom line position. And as you move from your opening down toward your target, which is obviously where you'd like to wind up at the end of the discussion, in fact, your your initial concession is the biggest one you make. In fact, literally halfway to your target. And then every concession made thereafter gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And this shows this growing sense of toughness. We tend to do it the other way around. And now we start making little tiny concessions, and then as the deadline gets closer, we panic. And we make bigger and bigger and bigger moves. All that does is it motivates the other side to keep negotiating. So and another issue here is, what, what, is the problem with what's called counterintuitivity. In other words, the idea of leading with your largest concession is totally unnatural for most people, and in fact, it just it simply has to be trained into people to do it that way. Um, next is something called crunch, which is a, it's spelled with a K, K R U N no, C. Nobody has any idea. What the derivation of the word is, but it's a, it, it's the most common negotiating skill. When the when the vendor says, "Okay, I'm going to need twenty-two uh, ninety-five per per yard for this," rather than saying, um, "I'll give you twenty for it," instead you would say what's well, called a crunch. You'd say, "Let's talk about that price. You know, what can you do for me on that number?" Uh, rather than actually putting a counter proposal out there, you basically put it back on the other side, saying, "Improve your offer." And then if, if they give if they you a concession, you simply crunch again. Yeah, you know, I appreciate what, what you've done. We're moving in the right direction, but we still have a way to go. So, you know, again, rather than making hard offers or counteroffers, instead, you just say, sharpen your pencil, do better. I'm looking for a better number. And it's amazing how effective and simple a uh, way to negotiate crunching is. Um, there's, there's two more. Um, the, the fifth key principle is looking at the entire negotiation as one package, Rather than saying, okay, so let's, let's talk about issue one, okay, we've agreed on that, now let's move on to issue two. That, that's called serial processing, and it's a very dangerous way to negotiate. So instead of doing it that way, when you have a tender agreement on issue one, you say, okay, that looks, that looks all right, let's set that one aside for now, and, and then kind of bring them all together at the end. Uh, that way, if the other side takes a difficult position on a later issue, You can say, well, in view of that, then we'd have to go back and reopen what we talked about on this earlier issue. So you have access to all of the points before committing to any of them um, individually. Then the final principle is something called, a very simple thing called nibbling, and that is it takes advantage of the tendency of negotiators to get sloppy at the end of the agreement. As they get very close to closure, people tend to start saying things like, oh, we'll take care of that. Don't worry about that. We'll handle that for you. They basically drop their guard. So um, a a nibble would be right at the very end, you'd say, you know, we're close, we're close, I'll tell you what, take an extra 1% off and you've got yourself a deal. So it's a tiny concession obtained right at the point of closure at the end when people tend to be, you know, they kind of drop their guard and they get sloppy. So those are six things
2: to do and none of them are particularly challenging. Okay, Well, the last one I I really uh, like, but how do you guard against that, Jim? So if somebody's nibbling at you, how do you guard against that? Well, um, it, very simply, go back to
1: rule one: trade. All right, we could do that. We can we can we can come down a percentage point, but in that event, we'd have to make the following adjustments to our deliverables. It's real simple. So uh, it's, it's, old, it's it's the old different. yes
2: if like you talk in your book about the Japanese exactly. culture. It's the exactly. yes if
1: we, we can give you, we can give you whatever price you want, but we're going to have to adjust
2: the deliverables. So another question that I have for you, and and I've tried this in negotiation, especially with timeshares and all that stuff, is. You know, is being silent, you know, and, and, and having that awkward two or three minutes of silence after somebody presents something. Is that a, is that a, is that minutes, a, a good negotiation tactic?
1: It's, it is simply a form of crunch. Rather than saying, I need you sharpen your pencil, by being silent, you're saying the same thing. Uh, and by the way, three minutes would be an incredibly long period. It's silence in a negotiation. I would be thinking maybe ten seconds. Generally, that's about all people can stand.
2: Well, I can I to speak a personal experience. We negotiated some deals with uh, our timeshares that, you know, we I had to bite my tongue for probably I wouldn't you know. Maybe it felt like three minutes. Maybe it was like 40 or 50 seconds, but it felt like a long, long time. That's very impressive. That most people can't stand it. So, in oh, the yeah, last couple minutes we mean. have here, Jim, in the last couple minutes we have here, um, anything that we haven't addressed yet that you wanted to say, you know, if you did this one thing or two or th- two or three things you're going to, uh, you know, become a better negotiator?
1: Well, yeah, I think probably the simplest thing is just get, begin by trading stuff. Rather than just saying okay, get in the habit of saying okay yes. um, if. It, it, it's incredibly easy to do. It, you know, it, it, you have to work at it, though. So you have to begin grooving the habit. And then uh, and begin thinking in terms of the importance of the initial offer and don't open fair, open assertively, and you'll get to fair as the discussions go forward. So those two things by themselves, will have this tremendous impact on the negotiated outcome. And remember, don't just think about about negotiating on the sales side. Think also about negotiating on the on the purchasing side as well.
2: And you you know, we talked about fine about the importance of marketing too, and I think you talked talked about that too, is if 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 the healthier your sales pipeline, the healthier your marketing pipeline is, the less you have to worry about uh, you know, take you know, reducing your price to take on every business and, and appearing uh that you are uh, let's say uh you know, are hungry for the business. Exactly, which is – that is the kiss of
1: death to most customers. If you need the business, then you're not the vendor that I want to be dealing with. Yeah, I, I want a yeah, vendor that's turning people away.
2: I, and I, and I, ha, I have done that in the past, too, and it's remarkable how many people come back two or three weeks after. And say, oh, uh, you know, you guys look actually being the better deal, and, and then they just stay at the original, original price. Anyway, Jim – Thank you very much for your time today. It's really an honor to uh, you know, have this uh, 30-minute discussion with you. Um again, the, the URL for your book is negotiate to win.com and they get, and they can also pick it up through Amazon and many of the leading bookstores. Exactly. Great. So go to negotiate to win.com folks and uh, and pick up this book. I highly highly recommend it uh that if you're want to do anything with sales and, and avoid uh, you know, losing on the negotiation side, you know, take Jim's uh tips here and and put them the practice again and practice 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 you know I rather I always am a big fan of Jim of role-playing in the office and it's best to do it in the safe surroundings of your office versus doing it on the uh, in the trenches with your prospects absolutely anyway that's it folks that's the MSP show for this week uh, stay tuned to our uh, ulistic.com website for future and of upcoming shows we have got a great uh, pipeline of uh, shows coming up here once again, Jim, thank you very much for your uh, for your time, and we'll see you in about a month and a half down in uh, in North Carolina. And uh, folks, uh, tune in next week for another great uh, MSP show as we uh, work towards uh, you know wrapping up the end of the year here. It's uh, hard to believe it's uh, only forty five days left, and we have Christmas and Thanksgiving uh, to get out of the way as well. So uh, we'll talk to you all next week and have yourself a great and successful week. Thank you very much to Stuart Crawford signing off for the MSP show.
0: This has been another episode of the MSP Show with host Stuart Crawford. Thank you for tuning in, and be sure to catch our next episode for more of the relevant business information your managed IT services company needs. For more information on how Ulystic can help your business achieve stratospheric growth, visit www.ulistic.com. there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at shumbacasino.com No purchase necessary BDW. Void for prohibited by loss terms and conditions 18 plus
1: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts
2: Oh oh oh
1: O'Reilly Auto Parts